Welcome to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered with Perry Clark. This program looks at mental health from unique perspectives and shows you how to manage your life by finding the knots that help you and stay away from the ones that could be a disadvantage. Now, here is your host, Perry Clark. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. This is Perry Clark, your licensed marriage and family therapist here with you. And I want to remind you off the bat that this is not a substitute for therapy. I strongly recommend you find a therapist that is in your area to work on your unique issues. This podcast is for entertainment and educational purposes only. So today we have on one of probably one of our first time uh, podcasts, uh, both who recently found out as I started advertising for this uh, podcast and because we're both part of a mutual group called Geek Therapists, but also the beauty of somebody who's in the process of getting their degree as well, who maybe we'll talk a little bit about what it means to be uh, in this process as well. I'd like you all to meet today, Elizabeth Sanchez, and I'm going to let her pronounce her last name because I don't want to screw it up as you seen me do with both Booney and Laurent, uh, who is a PhD student or to postdoc or pre-doc? Postdoc. Postdoc, who has uh, gotten their postdoc um, and in the process of fulfilling their aspects of becoming a full, fully licensed uh, PhD program, uh, who has developed a program called, called Psychology of Geeks. And this is part of why Geek Therapy was one of the places we found each other. And we're going to talk about their program, which is called Reconnect and Reenchant. So I'd like to welcome you, Elizabeth. And let me give you give the bio. And Elizabeth is a first-generation Mexican-American in the process of obtaining their PhD in clinical psychology. She created the website Psychology for Geeks and its social media counterpart, Superpower Toolkit, to eliminate the stigma on myth mental health and the geek community, as well as providing a safe place for geeks everywhere to geek out. In October 2021, she released her new social media series, Reframe and Reenchant. This series helps promote geek therapy projects by geek therapists and provides fun ways we can check, we can geek out and take care of our health. So welcome to Untying Knots, Elizabeth. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. As you mentioned, this is my first time doing a podcast, so I'm very excited. <laughs> Welcome, and I'm certain there's going to be some more out there in the future as well. So how did you get in onto this? And especially as your bio says, you're a first generation Mexican-American who's pursuing this. So I'm sure that is a daunting task, a wonderful task, and also a heavy weight. Well, it's not something that I really thought about before. I just kind of knew that I wanted to uh, become a psychologist. Mm -hmm. And I just went and did what I could to make sure that that happened. And um, sometimes I get comments like that when people say, oh, you know, it must have been really hard. Or like, how did you get to be to this point? And I'm like, I just never thought about it, mm -hmm. about how difficult it was or anything. I was just like, I just, it's something I had to do. Um, and I think, <clears throat> I think your question was more geared, like, how did I get into geek therapy? And I think I've always been a geek. Mm -hmm. um, but because I started learning English when I was, uh, I think, fifth grade um it wasn't something that I fully understood what a geek was mm -hmm. or a, a nerd or maybe a nerd I understood more a little bit more because that was an insult that was used in school a lot mm -hmm. um but it wasn't until I actually made it to grad um to grad school that I met other people that were like me and they were open about it and they went to comic-con and uh, I was able to go with them for the first time um, oh. as well so um, it's on my bucket list to go to comic-con yeah it's it's an amazing experience and it just so happened i think uh dr janina scarlett is mm -hmm. really a connection that i have with a lot of other geek therapists out mm -hmm. there and she was actually my professor well, oh. yeah, so she had a class for one semester only, and I was just so lucky that I was able to participate. 
um, I think it was uh, Psychology of Pop Culture mm-hmm. was the name of the class. And that just sort of set me off. I just kind of became obsessed with it. And I was like, I didn't know it was a thing. I didn't know I could like geek out and provide therapy at the same time. And I was mm-hmm. like, perfect. So mm-hmm. that's kind of how it all began. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And I, I have heard of Dr. Scarlett. I know she had done a, um, uh, a conference earlier this year that was superhero focused and it's like ah damn can't do that because i've already scheduled up for a bunch of other things but i think you brought up something that i know we haven't talked about in some of the other interviews i've done the aspect of the idea that the nerd or geek is basically used as a taunt it's seen as something less and I'm wondering, just before we get into the deeper things, how much of that is something that we've also are dealing with, with the idea when we come to mental health, that aspect of we've all been shamed for our interest in this. We've made seen as somehow less or incompetent, the oddball. Well, you know, I have, I have a friend who um, we did... Uh, we worked together at a school and we did a lot of, we did um, a lot of therapy for group therapy for um, I think it was fourth and fifth graders. Mm -hmm. And um, it was just, you know, teaching basic skills, um, communication about bullying, how to identify certain things and, Mm -hmm. you know, emotions, things like that. And at one point we did a, um, a group about, about bullying and we mentioned how for us when people call us nerds or geeks it wasn't an insult anymore because it's something that we identified as Mm -hmm. right we had a community of geeks who were very supportive of us and uh, we were great friends so if somebody like used that as an insult it just wasn't an insult anymore Mm -hmm. um for us but there is I I think that's kind of why I started this whole Mm -hmm. social media thing because um I am one of very very few uh in especially my graduate program actually I really got lucky because that's where I met my other geeky friends who are Mm -hmm. also in the same path Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so I didn't feel as alone um, in that sense but like once I sort of branched out or in um the practicums that I had there weren't, I was the only one. I was mm-hmm. the only one who was doing this type of therapist. And I never encountered any sort of obstacles or setback from my supervisors. But then whenever I was talking to my coworkers or to other licensed professionals, they always kind of had this look in their face like, oh, okay. Um, like it wasn't something they fully understood. Um, and I was one of the very few also like, um students was highly interested in working with kids so that was also mm-hmm. you know part of it and um i think there is still a lot of stigma mm-hmm. placed on on the gay community and on mental health so i was like mm-hmm. well, i think mm-hmm. i would like to do my part and clear some of that a little bit and normalize it and then there is one other element, which is the element that, especially for this program, we deal with our BIPOC element of existence when it comes to being geeks. So not only are we dealing with the sort of that stigma, what it means in our profession, we're dealing with the stigma of what it means in society. And then what does it mean within our own cultures to be interested in these things as well? Yes. As you were talking, the first thing that popped to mind was those conversations that I had with my parents when, mm-hmm. um, for me, a way to connect with my brothers, it was for us to go to the movie theater and watch all the superhero movies, like as soon as they came out. That's mm-hmm. how I started connecting with them because I was, I am the oldest one. So mm-hmm. um, I was sort of gone out of the house when they were developing personalities and becoming very interesting individuals so um that's a way for us to connect that's that's what we did and my parents were often sort of like well, why are you going to the movies again are you seeing the same people again and i'm like mom but it's different this captain america it's not just superheroes it talks about like you know relationships and all of these other things that were like more in depth but they were just never really interested in any of that mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and 
I think I have always been part of um, more of an international uh, group of friends. So mm-hmm. I was connected or uh, friends with um, people who were Asian descent or Middle Eastern or uh, just just from all over the place. So that's how we connected. Mm-hmm. Um, we connected by being the minority in mm-hmm. much everything mm-hmm. um, we did. I'm sorry, did you have a question? Oh, no, I was just acknowledging. Oh, okay. Um, but it, it has been difficult. And I think part of it, like my first uh, language is Spanish. But because everything I consume is in English, it's kind of hard for me to sort of like translate all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so there has been this sort of misconnect too with my culture as well. Because mm-hmm. I part of this sort of mini culture and... Um, everyone around it is just sort of like English speaking. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure there is a community of geeks out there who mainly speak Spanish. It just, you know, I don't know. Right. And I'm not part of that because it, I think it just has been hard enough to just be part of a supportive geek community as mm-hmm. it is that finding more of a, like a specific niche has been even more difficult. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because uh, as you're saying that about the struggle of translation, I know I was listening to a podcast from uh, the people who make Dungeons and Dragons. They were talking about the gaming groups that they're all over the world. And then that thought brings the thought is like, okay, so are the gaming groups having to deal with trying to game in English or in their native languages? Because again, as far as I know, most of the Dungeons and Dragons books are printed in English as opposed to translated into whatever the native tongue they're being marketed out to. But I also find myself wondering, it's like, okay, the elements of what makes geek culture has probably existed in every culture around the world. It's just not been seen the way we see it now or with the connotations that we have with Western ideas about geekdom. How many people were interested in like Zorro? And that's probably not the best example, but it's one that pops to mind right at the moment. It's a great movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think part of that, too, is that it being a geek has become sort of popular now, mm-hmm. a little bit. Now that um, the superhero movies, which, you know, originated from uh, comic books, mm-hmm. um, just have had this massive success, success mm-hmm. everywhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it has been a little bit more okay um to sort of like have those type of interest and of course you still have people who don't fully understand but I think the connection that has always been made we're like okay well you know everything about movies or about comic books or cosplay or you know fan fiction or any any other fandom and you always have people who have the same amount of knowledge about sports mm-hmm. yet they don't have that negative everything that sort of comes, you know, with mm-hmm. the um, geeking out about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. so even if it's more popular, there's still that imbalance, right? Um, in our general culture, mm-hmm. but how, you know, they're still seen as like those weird people that never come out of their house and they live in their mother's basement and, you know, they read comic books all day and they don't have a life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which then creates obstacles when there are mental health challenges yes we are or just even adds to even more stigma around mental health challenges when those things when those come up and being sought or the idea is like the issue of escapism which is seen as some very great negative but yet we all need to escape from some situation at some time that's no longer being good for us yeah, that concept of video games are not good for you. Mm-hmm. I think the one thing that really annoys me is that you have never learned anything from TV. You can never, like, why are you watching so much TV? You can never learn anything from that. And, like, my brother and I are both geeks, so we have at length, like, conversations about pretty much everything that has to do with geek. And we often talk about how much we have actually learned from anime, from movies. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. no, there is so much we can learn from that. But there is that negative stigma of like, well, that's, there's never anything good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
So I think that's a beautiful segue into your program that you have put together and your website. So let's go and talk a bit more about that. You know, I was, as I was preparing for this podcast, I was sort of like reflecting on how it all got started. And mm-hmm. for my Reframe and Reenchant series, um, I had seen a tweet sort of be reposted a couple of times on mm-hmm. Facebook and Instagram about how someone said, um, we have to re-enchant our lives and instead of like thinking about just going to CVS like you're no you're going to the was it the apothecary and you know you're Mm. buying some potions or whatever and I was like that is so cool yes I need some more of that in my life like just mundane things that we can just change our thinking just a little bit and make it a little bit more magical and more interesting and then I just kept thinking about that and I was like you know what will be cool I get to my brother who I use as a sounding board more mm-hmm. often than not mm-hmm. um and I was like yeah you know yeah it's a great idea and then I designed a logo for it and I was like yeah this is awesome and then I was like you know what will be cool if I collaborate because I'm a big um collaborator I, I just love collaborating with um lots of other people and I understand that sometimes more often than not, that's, that's needed because while I am a geek and I, you know, I know a little bit about like, you know, the different fandoms and the different sort of subcultures within, you know, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I don't know everything. So I was like, well, you know, be cool if I reach out to other, you know, geek therapists or other geek uh, professionals about this. And then I was like, oh, you know, I would just, you know, one or two posts about this and you'll be fine. And um as I started reaching out, the response has always been, oh, that is so interesting. And I'm so glad you're doing this. And every time it never fails to surprise me when people react that way. Mm-hmm. It, I didn't set out for this to become more than, oh, a week's worth of post for me to put on my social media. And it has just grown and grown. Like, Three days after I came up with the idea, I started, um, well, actually the day after I started mm-hmm. reaching out to people, but then three days after I had like contacted people and I, it just has continued to grow and grow. And I'm like, why, why has this happened? And the only thing I could think of is like, there is a need for this, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. especially in these times of like, we're still in COVID times, really. Um, we need all the help we can get. I and mean, we can re-enchant our lives a little bit you know, and geek out at the same time, I think we need all, all of that in our lives. And um, the other thing has been that when I reach out to other um, geek professionals, they have been, well, for the most part, it has been other mental health providers. Mm-hmm. Um, when I reach out to them, they're like, yes, there's a lot of us. And I'm like, yes, there is a lot of other, you know, geek uh, providers out there, but we're all over the place. Like I've contacted people from New Zealand, Australia, uh, Chicago, um, Texas. They're not nowhere anywhere near me. Mm-hmm. I'm in California and I'm like, you guys are too far away. You need to be closer to me. So then it just kind of became this thing of like, I'm trying to hunt down uh, the other geek therapist near me. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So then um, we can create this sort of like community, you know, uh, with us uh, because again we can't do everything and there is I feel like there is such a high demand for um, geek therapists out there that we can't you know uh, see all of the clients or referring out or mm-hmm. if you know support someone in your area I think mm-hmm. fantastic so I think this project has just sort of continued to grow mm-hmm. beginning very much so and I think that's also one of the things that adds, like we're saying, that sense of the both the stigma and the aspect of not noticing the mental health challenges, where there is a beauty to escapism. Because we've got, like I said, those other professionals you were dealing with who basically started giving you those looks and it's like just the shy of patting you on the head saying that's nice. Yes, that, that's how it feels though. Yeah, that's the closest one. It's like, uh, 
but I know uh, there were equally points where, and during my training period, where it's like my, one of my supervisors says, I can see where you want to go with this. That's great. Unfortunately, I just don't have the skill set to help you with that. And it's like, yeah, well, this is where I have to go out and basically go into the wilds myself. Eh. There's that. Um, I think so I was preparing for this podcast and mm-hmm. again one of the things I thought of which I thought was genius was thinking about um, <clears throat> how we really are the minority of the minority of the minority mm-hmm. right because we are uh, mental health providers which mm-hmm. already there's not enough of us mm-hmm. uh, we're BPOC which mm-hmm. already there's not enough of us and within that we're also geeks Mm-hmm. So there's nowhere near enough of us. Um, so it sort of creates this, I feel like this fear too, um, where there are, um, I've seen, you know, as part of a group that you mentioned before, you mm-hmm. know, the geek therapist, um, they often have websites or social media, but geek therapy is never really mentioned. It's they do it, you know, and, mm-hmm. and maybe there's something that they're passionate about, but it's not something that is fully advertised mm-hmm. because not a lot of people understand it. People don't, it's still relatively a new area, I think, of mental health. So um, there isn't a lot of anything mm-hmm. for it. So, like you're right, we just kind of have to go out there and sort of start to carve our own path mm-hmm. for that or create a way for it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which and it's sad to think because i mean i think one of the best therapies that could probably easily connect with and segue itself into geek therapy would be narrative therapy and the aspect of using the story again and and there's more there's more to narrative therapy than what i'm going to say here but it's like the aspect of the stories that make up these geek stories and these make up these nerd stories are part of the ways people are finding ways to relate. And let's be frank, some of the stories that are created in the geek space are far more nuanced than some of the stuff that came in the end of the last century. As standard media. Yes, I actually had a conversation about this um, the other day about why I love superheroes so much Mm -hmm. or superhero stories so much. Then at the end of like a two-hour conversation, my brother was like, I figured it out. Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily like superhero stories. You like stories. Mm-hmm. And that's something that um, I have come to realize just sort of about myself and my culture. Because I am, like you mentioned earlier, Mexican-American and um I have people um, say, oh, you take too long to get to the point. (laughs) And then I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, just in my writing and just whenever I'm speaking, people, they're like, okay, that's nice, but you don't have to give me all this detail. And then I'm like, well, why do I give so much detail? I started thinking about it. And then I'm like, because my mom will ask for all of the detail possible. Like you had to become this story that you told. It was like, how was your day at school? Or like, you know, an interaction that I had with a coworker or something I learned. It just had to become this thing. And I, I think that's it's just part of my culture, stories, telling mm-hmm. stories, mm-hmm. listening to stories. And I'm like, that's why I love history so much too, because they're just basically stories that are being told. And um, that's how I kind of got started into the geek community. I started reading and um, those are stories. And then mm-hmm. I got to comic books and fan fiction and everything. They're just stories. When And then now I'm starting to learn more about cosplay and cosplay itself is a story. There's a story behind everything. And you know, that's why I love therapy so much because you go into the therapy session and you're telling stories, right? But there is this sort of underlying mm-hmm. um, thing like you said, like for narrative therapy, therapy, that's, um, I don't think there's enough of that, mm-hmm. enough of narrative, like enough professionals that do narrative, narrative therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is, again, there's a need for all of this. Very much so. And 
narrative is all of these things as we're talking about here connect with our emotions which is the thing that we work with as therapists and being able to see the emotions that a story generates in us as one of the big ways of being able to address change and help people move forward but then also as BIPOC whether it is Mexican-American to African-American all of our histories all of our worlds and cultures were built with stories first and foremost before we got to the written word yeah and you know sadly that something that I recognize within myself is that even though I love history so much I don't know that much about the history of my culture because it's full of very painful moments that I can completely relate to. And then that's something that I sort of avoid, right? But if you give me something similar in a movie format, mm -hmm. then I am all over that, mm -hmm. right? Like when, um, when the movie Coco, the uh, Disney Pixar mm -hmm. movie Coco came out, I kind of didn't know because I don't I was a poor student so I didn't actually have TV mm -hmm. um so I didn't know it was coming out but my mom knew that it was going to be shown in Spanish in selected theaters mm -hmm. and she this it was the first time ever that she said let's go watch a movie and of course I'm a movie fan and I'm like yes whatever you want as soon as we can mm -hmm. um and we went and throughout the whole movie I was just crying just tears kept coming and my mom was like, why are you being so weird? And she just thought it was hilarious. She would tell everyone about it. But it was just the fact that I was seeing my actual culture reflected mm -hmm. out there. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this is, it was one of the first times that I had seen it reflected in such a realistic way. Mm -hmm. Because of course you have like, you know, telenovelas and all those things, but that's not. <laughs> that's not necessarily the same. Right. And a lot, I think what was shown about the Mexican culture were the things that I love the most about mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. right? Like that connection with family, that support, that sort of two-sided coin where it can be very helpful to have that um, support, but also they can hinder you. Because mm -hmm. whatever they say holds so much value for us. You know, so... Mm -hmm. And when it's something negative, then, or when they don't fully understand where we're coming from, it can be very harmful to us. Yeah. I think that's a beautiful place for us to take a break. So uh, this has been Perry Clark and Elizabeth Sanchez. And how do you pronounce your last name? Oh, so I have two last names. It's okay. Sanchez Arvisu. Ah, so it's the Arvisu pride that I'm trying not to misbutcher. So we'll just go with Sanchez. Um, this is Elizabeth with Elizabeth Sanchez, PhD, uh, on Untying Knots. So stay tuned and we'll be back with the next half of this. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. Our lives and the world around us can get messy and frustrating. Untangle and Grow Counseling's focus is to untangle that mess and make sense of it so you have a good foundation to build and grow from. Visit us on the web at untangleandgrowcounseling.com. Perry Clark offers individual psychotherapy, couples and family therapy, and adolescence therapy from a variety of coping materials and resources. Visit untangleandgrowcounseling.com for more information. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. If you have a question or comment about our podcast, send an email to pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. That's pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. And now, back to the program. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. This is Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family therapist, here with Elizabeth Sanchez, PhD. So we were just talking a bit about the idea of the narrative and the stories that connect us. So, um, and 
while we were in on the break, we were also talking, continue our conversation a bit there. And I know one of the things that we have also touched on is the aspect of isolation. And I think there's a, been an underlying thread, and it's also been a big issue in these last few years with everything that's happened with COVID. Yeah. So before I sort of mm-hmm. uh, answer that, um, I want to uh, clarify something. I don't mm-hmm. have my PhD yet. Ah, I'm a couple of months well, away from that. Well, you're in the postdoc. Yeah, you're in the postdoc standpoint. And and other than, I guess, defending your dissertation, you're going to be a PhD soon anyway. Right. So just get used to having that. Yeah, just, yeah, details, yes, but get used to the fact that that's going to be in, you're going to be introduced with that as well. So this is warm up. (laughs) A good Um, point. Yeah. And, you know, everything is just sort of connected, right? Now that COVID has become a thing, it's fantastic that we have technology and we're able to uh, see more clients than we had able to before because we can see anyone from all over the states or multiple mm-hmm. states if you know you're licensed in multiple states. Um, but there's that aspect of you know you have to work from home now and everything has to be done within this space. There isn't sort of like okay now I go to work and I leave work at there and then I come home mm-hmm. everything is sort of like all in the same place now mm-hmm. and it also sort of connected to the gig community right because a lot of the hobbies that we have are sort of hobbies that we do indoors you know mm-hmm. um role-playing games you kind of have to do them inside you know around the table board games video games that all sort of inside and it it can become quite problematic when mm-hmm. um, we are sort of isolating ourselves um, that much. At first, it's it was highly recommended because of COVID. Now, mm-hmm. we're still in COVID times, but it's going sort of down a little bit more. So we are able to socialize some more. Mm-hmm. And I think even um, as geeks, we kind of often forget that we actually do benefit from interacting even if we're introverts we -hmm. still benefit from every now and then interacting with someone in real life not Mm -hmm. just through like a computer screen Mm -hmm. and there's something slightly different i um started playing DD with a couple of my friends that they're up in the um bay area so they're kind of far from me and so we Mm -hmm. do it online and then i play with my brother and they're his friends and it's just a completely different experience, right? Playing it in person as opposed mm-hmm. to like a computer screen. So, you know, similar things can be said about therapy, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's a completely different experience. And, you know, some people might prefer it. Might prefer just, you know, being in their own home, feeling safe and not having to go out and sit in the white room and, mm-hmm. you know, feeling like you're being judged or anything like that. So mm-hmm. um, it's great that we have that option hmm which brings us back to that sense of like you said being judged or being somehow seen with the stigma which comes with the title of being nerd or the other standpoint of being BIPOC which means black indigenous person of color just a reminder for folks that's exactly what I was thinking actually uh because as you were talking my mind immediately went to uh the whole idea of therapy is only for crazy people, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's. Um, so let's just go ahead and consider this. We're going into the myth and reality section <laughs> for that title purposes. Sorry. That's fine. It's like no. Let's just go into this now. Um, so this crazy people thing. Yeah. It. And then so like, why would you want to put yourself out there and you know go into like you know as therapist office where people clearly know it's a therapist office and sit there and be watched like or stare by people um mm-hmm. it, it makes it even more difficult mm-hmm. um to do that but i think part of it too is that um there isn't enough information out there when it comes to mental health or what, mm. what therapy is or what therapy mm-hmm. is like. And people who do go to therapy, maybe they had a great experience with a therapist and they don't really talk about that right. to anybody. And uh, for example, in the, uh, in the Mexican community, a lot of information is passed by word of mouth. 
right? Again, kind of going mm. back to the stories. Mm-hmm. And so if somebody had a negative experience or a bad experience seeing a therapist, then the whole community heard about it and mm-hmm. nobody's going to want to approach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you go to a therapist that you don't really connect, connect with, with or it's yeah. not a good fit right and part of it i think it's maybe we never really have thought about okay well we have the power to be able to find other therapists or other or even just you know like a medical doctor another physician if it's not a good fit you can find somebody else mm-hmm. that is an option sometimes mm-hmm. i live and was sort of raised in a very sort of rural community where that's not really an option. We have one doctor, we had one high school, we have one grocery store Mm -hmm. and um, we don't really have therapists here. I believe now there is a new clinic that has opened and um, they offer uh, mental health services now, but they're all sort of like through telehealth or Mm -hmm. uh, either by phone or online. Um, We don't actually have like a physical person here or like someone's office. Right. Right. Um, so that makes it even more difficult, right? Even mm-hmm. if somebody did wanted it to go to, they can't. Mm-hmm. Where would they go? Mm-hmm. Which are great that problem of, yeah, you're stuck with what's available. And if the what's available isn't, say, competent in all areas, which frankly, no one can be competent in all areas, there's a way that it just sort of tarnishes the image and idea about getting that help in the first place. Although as you're talking about it, there was the other thought that was clicking in my mind too was given everyone's history, where does the idea that being crazy also connects with a moral failing come into play as well? And a moral failing would be very much the purview of religion. You know, I had a conversation a while back with someone who was uh, I think they were majoring in psychology in college. Mm-hmm. And they said that they they left that because a lot of the concepts that were discussed in the class um, did not correlate with the religion. And mm-hmm. so they just prefer not to continue. Mm-hmm. And I kind of sort of forgot about that interaction to right now. Um, but then I did realize like the more I studied and the more I practiced, the Mm -hmm. more I realized that there has been this sort of like friction between religious organizations and mental health organizations, Mm -hmm. right? And then so there isn't, I I think neither side fully understands the other. Mm -hmm. So I, for a while I worked at a, um, it was a, office that was affiliated with a um with the catholic church mm-hmm. and so one of the things that we talked about when people reached out to us was like no we're not gonna talk about religion that's not what we do here we are affiliated mm-hmm. with the catholic mm-hmm. church but we like this is the therapy session we don't we don't do that unless that's part of you know your culture and your religion and you want to discuss mm-hmm. it then we can go we can definitely mm-hmm. go ahead and do that mm-hmm. but i think there's this aspect of like oh well you know it's science or you don't believe in what i believe mm-hmm. or you don't fully understand or you know in the past a lot of um, religious experiences have been sort of categorized as mental health mm-hmm. um, issues yeah and and, and you also have, because you do see quite often, right? People are very familiar or somewhat familiar with religion. So in, uh, in one of my classes, we talked about how um, there was this research done with um, people who had schizophrenia and uh, they had um, hallucinations and, or like they were hearing voices. And in India, the participants, they said how they will hear their loved ones who had mm-hmm. passed away. They will hear their voices, but they were, it was very comforting mm-hmm. to them. And here in the U.S., it was a completely different uh, story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the, the voices that they heard, they were a lot more mm-hmm. violent. Um, mm-hmm. And 
you know, that's kind of part of the culture. And so you also get, you know, clients or people who come in and, and they're under the delusion that they are God or that they can perform miracles and things like that. So it's it's very interconnected. And sometimes it's it can be quite difficult as an outsider mm -hmm. uh, to sort of fully understand, you know, mm -hmm. the, uh, how it's all sort of connected mm -hmm. um, and and I think part of that not fully understanding has only contributed to continuing that friction between religious organizations and mental health providers and um, just the stigma that's around mental health and then throw in our BIPOC cultures as well where depending on the culture the church might have had greater power than medicine yes and I I was reflecting on that the other day as well. Um, and I, I earlier I said that in the in the Mexican community, a lot of it has to be, you know, word of mouth. And then so even medications uh, sort of like come to that, like doctors, mm -hmm. um, physicians, there's still that stigma of going to the doctor, like, oh no, I'll be fine, I'll just get over it, because it th there's still as a culture, we're still developing that trust with other mm -hmm. professionals, mm -hmm. right? Like in the past, it's just kind of been like home remedies, mm -hmm. which often they're quite effective, but mm -hmm. sometimes it's necessary for us, you know, to get a physical because there may be other underlying issues that we don't fully understand. Yeah, there may be some deeper things below the surface that aren't showing up. Yeah, and the same thing can be said about therapy. Mm -hmm. right like you don't necessarily have to be crazy to go to a therapist but there can be um especially i feel like in the big BIPOC community that there's so much trauma in our community or just in our daily life that we more often than not whenever i had a client or even in my own personal experience um that was BIPOC there has been this sort of sense of they were always in a survival mode you know they moved here from another country or they were you know isolated or like you know because of skin color whatever was going on they were um there's just this massive stress and so like, all you're thinking about is how am I going to survive this right mm -hmm. I don't really have time to think about what my emotions are when I need to find another job or I need to get out mm -hmm. of this um you know this neighborhood that's mm -hmm. not that's not safe um so it like you go through your whole life just on survival mode and when someone comes along and they're like you know what you need you need therapy I don't have time for therapy ain't nobody got time for that right and so it just becomes this this thing where it's your whole life you kind of did what you can and you cope how you could and even if it wasn't you know the greatest or the most helpful coping skill it worked for you um, and once it, and when we see people in therapy, is because those coping skills are no longer being able to like hold up, mm -hmm. right? And then they don't know what else to do because this was the one thing that was um, helping them survive this like throughout these years. And now that it's not working, it's just their whole life has been falling apart. Mm -hmm. And and they're like, okay, well maybe I'll consider therapy. But what we want is people to come before that stage. Mm -hmm. right we want people to come and sort of like understand those deeper things that affect us um a lot of i've because i speak spanish i i had a lot of clients who uh immigrated to the u.s mm -hmm. and sometimes it wasn't necessarily legal means and that often comes with a lot of danger mm -hmm. and then when i would ask about it and i was like well you know that's it's a traumatic event that's like a horrible situation that happened to you and for them it's like oh yeah yeah but like that's sort of normal that's what everybody goes through and I'm like yeah but that doesn't take away from the fact that it's still affecting you and it's still affecting you today but again it's just that survival mode of like okay yeah well that's just one something that I, I mm -hmm. needed to do in order to have a better life for me and my family so it just you know never really thought about it mm-hmm mm -hmm. And just to circle back to what we've done, we talked about a bit about the aspect of what's happened with COVID, a whole bunch of people have hit, were hit with a very different survival mode than they'd ever dealt with. And that was unsettling. Yeah. And then, so like, 
even for us mental health providers, it was like, oh, there's been a lot of changes and, you know, we struggle to cope with that too. So I can't imagine what it must have been like for people who were already struggling with countless other things. Mm-hmm. And then added that on top, it, it's just these past years has have really been um, difficult. And I hope we had seen an increase uh, in people who are trying to reach out mm-hmm. to mental health providers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because as and as has been said in a number of other podcasts, including on this one, we didn't just have one pandemic we were dealing with. We were dealing with multiple pandemics all at the same time. And that's exhausting. That's isolating. And that also gets to that standpoint, too, where uh, if you've only got one choice in the village for either medical or mental health, that one's not, again, skilled in some other areas it can create that tarnishment around the idea of this is a place I go for, for help. Well, and you know, and especially in communities like that, burnout, I mean, burnout is a real thing, Mm -hmm. especially in communities where there's only one provider and they can only do so much. Right. Mm -hmm. So like I've seen so many memes out there um, where people are like, okay, me finally trying to, you know, reach out for help and make an appointment to for therapy, Mm -hmm. but then they're scheduled three months ahead. And I'm like, well, they need help now. Mm-hmm. You know, and then I think part of why I, I want this collaboration between mental health providers, there needs to be that. Because if, if I can't get you in as soon as you need to, then maybe I can reach out to someone who might be able to. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and we, we need to do a little bit more of that. And there needs to be more, bi- not just more geek therapists out there, but more BIPOC therapists out there. Yes, there's that. I, well, you know, earlier how I was talking about Coco and I was like, mm-hmm. the first time that I had seen my culture reflector out there. Um, there's something different about seeing someone across from you who kind of looks like you, mm-hmm. right? And it's saying, oh yeah, I understand. And, you know, I'm um, Mexican-American and um, I have clients who are also Mexican or Mexican-American. Our experiences are not the same, mm-hmm. right? But I... I have a little bit of a leg up compared to mm-hmm. other therapies because I can either relate it to something similar in my life or I can kind of sort of understand the culture they come from, mm-hmm. right? Because there's mm-hmm. something different like living and experiencing the culture every day and learning from it on a textbook, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's not the same. Exactly. So, and I, right now, if I had to, considering all the various more presence we're seeing in number of geek things especially in the mcu talking about mental health i have to say right now the best examples have been sam wilson when he's not being captain america trying to actually be a mental health provider and a black man of color and equally on discovery star trek discovery dr colbert has now become the ship's counselor was showing a black man or at least a man of color providing the mental health to everybody yes we are starting to see better depictions of mental health providers mm-hmm. and now we need to see more mm-hmm. more representation because mm-hmm. it's not we're not always the same we're not the office we don't always have a couch where people lay down you mm-hmm. know or like how like the typical it's very stereotypical i feel like um the depictions on and the media mm-hmm. of, of what we do. And um, I know there's this organization now that's trying to connect um, like movie studios and anyone who's doing sort of animation and any of that like mm-hmm. media to mental health providers to talk mm-hmm. about how they can sort of incorporate it more and make it more realistic, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. Yep. Well. I do not remember the name of that. Well, that's one we can basically put into the notes in the future, because I'll be frank, we're recording this in December, but this is probably going to be airing in March. <laughs> so we got some time to find that so we can add that to the notes. Uh, and uh, equally, it's like what the beauty we saw with Inside Out as well. How many more people started learning a bit more about their emotional states from that movie? Yes. And I just, um, I love the fact that they did that in a children's movie. because. Mm-hmm. As children, that's when we need to start learning about these things, right? 
okay? Not mm-hmm. as adults. Mm-hmm. Um, as children, the sooner the better. Mm-hmm. Um, that we start learning. And it was just so, it was made so easy to understand. And I think it took away a lot of that fear. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And I think part of the beauty of geek therapy is that sometimes you might not be fully willing to dis- disclose or discuss, you know, things that are very painful for you. But if something similar has been shown on TV, then maybe easier for you to talk about a certain character mm-hmm. or their journey, right? Mm-hmm. And then, then you can take what you learn from that character and apply it to your life. And, you know, little by little, then you can be like, okay, well, then feel more comfortable in therapy or with the therapist. And then you can discuss, um, you know, the things that have been painful. But to start, I think it's it might be safer sometimes to be like, Let's talk about this character or this movie first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we can learn a lot from that that we can apply to our own lives. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a beautiful place for us to wrap. So how can people contact you to continue to network and find more of the re-enchant and reframe? Or sorry, reframe and rechant. There you go. Um, yes, so I am constantly looking for more, not just mental health providers, but any uh, geek professional, whether you're a doctor or a nurse or a dentist, <laughs> whatever mm-hmm. it is that your profession is, you love geeks and you apply it to your practice, feel free to reach out. I have a website, psychologyforgeeks.com. And on my website, I have my email. Mm-hmm. And you can also reach out to me through social media. My social media is Superpower Toolkit, but spelled slightly different. So it's Super PWR Toolkit. Alrighty. And I am on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr. All righty. So I'll have that in the show notes as well. And Elizabeth, I want to thank you for being on here and having this chat with us. And we will be doing some more collaborations before all said things are said and done. And maybe I'll have you come on as a co-host as well. That will be fantastic. And thank you so much for creating this space for us to talk about things that are very important. You too. So this has been Perry Clark on with Elizabeth Sanchez on Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Unbound. Sorry, Untethered. <laughs> Sorry, thinking about a Harlem Unbound, the uh, RPG game. I was recently talking with a friend about that. Um, <laughs> so join us next time here on Voice of America. Have a good day, everyone. Thank you for tuning in for Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. Be sure to join your host, Perry Clark, for another episode on the podcast coming soon on the Voice America Empowerment Channel.